This is Profit Unfiltered with Mark Botha and Ryan Shields. All right. Welcome just to uh, Profit Unfiltered. Hello. How's it going, Ryan? Good. How's it going, Mark? I'm good. Good. Just you know, sitting at my desk, although uh, times are changing. I'm in my basement and I haven't been upstairs for probably six hours. <laughs> yeah. Actually, before the call, Ryan and I were chatting and Ryan is uh, saying that you know, just with the explosion of e-commerce, it's like there's just so much to do. I and my clients have honestly never been busier. Um, there's just a lot of energy in in the e-commerce space right now. Um, and I think, you know, if we're looking for any any silver lining on the current global climate, I think it's that the the market's finally starting to accelerate catching up with what clients or customers are expecting. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, digital transformation that is accelerating maybe under duress and pressure, but you know, the smart merchants and the smart vendors will not only survive, but they will thrive through this because they're making intelligent decisions. And I think that's probably a good segue into, you know, what we're talking about today is making intelligent decisions on, you know, product selection is one thing, um, but how do you make sure that your catalog of products is as profitable across the board and individual and for individual SKUs as possible? And, you know, and that comes across like like the eighty twenty rule. You know, twenty percent of your products make eighty percent of the revenue. Yeah. So you know, make sure that you have the right twenty percent in there. You know, you and I were talking a little bit before this in terms of how often you go in there with the lens of thinning out or trimming trimming the fat from your your products you know looking at how profitable are they you know is are there opportunities to make more profit as it reached its shelf life is it time to you know retire that product and move it on do we have good plans for the product and the market just wasn't ready what's off so you know again the concept of dials for your profitability is managing and, and for this this episode we're going to talk about costs and you know, really looking at the costs of your products uh, and the cost of doing business and the cost of, you know, selling your products. You know, I think when you're looking at like, you know, the dials, you know, like we always talk about the dials, like profit dials, you know, we've got fees, uh, selling fees, we got advertising, and then we got product costs. And, you know, you turn those down, your margins increase, which, I mean, that all seems pretty simplistic, but, you know, when you, as you get into the numbers, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, factors to consider when you when you're looking at these you know advertising i would say i wouldn't say it's somewhat fixed right i mean i think you can you can either spend less sell less or you or you spend a lot and maybe you don't sell but you're still spending you know you got to manage that appropriately and there's yeah. fees i mean there's not much you can get around fees the only way that you can maybe manipulate the fees is if you charge more and then as a percentage you obviously your fees will go down but then, yeah. you know, you might outprice yourself to your competitors, something to consider. But the, well, the other one is the costs, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. where you have a lot more control. And what do you mean by cost? The cost, the cogs, cost of goods sold? Cost of goods sold is when it's sold, but like your product costs in general, right, are your the factory raw cost, like what you're actually going to pay the factory per unit. And then your landed costs, like everything from how you get it from wherever you're getting it made to either your warehouse or say, you know, if you're doing FBA, which a lot of our clients are, you know, a lot of our clients are private label sellers. They're getting their stuff from 
you know, somewhere across the ocean and flying it, shipping it, either they're getting it to them to inspect what's going to a warehouse to inspect or what's going straight to one of the Amazon fulfillment centers. On your weekly product trimming exercises, when do you decide to take a look at a product to consider cutting it or looking for an opportunity to do better with it? Well, you know, let's see. I mean, you know, we've got the new course coming out soon. Um, and that's one of the things that's, that's in the course is how do you evaluate what a winner is? And is it winning to the best of its ability? <laughs> you know, like, you yeah. know, not just a winner, but is that product reached its full profit potential? Yeah. And so that, like, when I'm looking at a winner, like, what is a winner for me? Like, I'm looking at, like, how much the product actually profits, right? I'm looking at, like, the return of investment on that product. I'm looking at like, it doesn't have a good healthy profit margin. What is that product's overall percentage of sales as a whole? And then the other thing to consider, even if it doesn't match up with those ones at the top, is it a low maintenance product, right? Is there no refunds? Is there no competition? Is there no customer service? And it just makes a month after month profit. Maybe it just pays for like a couple of beers at the pub is my beer money for the month? I don't know, something like that. It's just like something super easy. I always kind of like those products. Yeah. They maybe aren't such a high profit on the overall uh, percentages of sales. If they're consistent. You can kind of set them and forget them. Yeah, it's just like a, nice. it's a real winner. Yeah, exactly. You know, there, there's winners that you could maybe dedicate all of your time to, to win more. But then you're, then I would say you need, you need more kind of cruise control winners where you've got them dialed in and yeah, exactly. they're cruising. Yeah. If I think about, you know, like I have products that make thousands a month and I have some that make tens of thousands a month and then I have some that make a couple hundred a month yeah. and the ones that make a couple hundred a month with no maintenance, no refunds, no customer service, no drama, no price ruining. I think I just want to bunch of those yeah, yeah you know do you want 10 high maintenance winners or do you want a thousand low maintenance winners yeah a thousand even like a couple hundred you know that can be another that would be quite uh, quite yeah. easily and fun to do as well you know well because it also keeps your products fresh so to speak because you're not going to put a losing product on cruise control but i guess that's part of what we do here at Sellerview is put the winners on cruise control and eliminate the losers or convert them to winners. Yeah. And that's the thing. 80, 20, yeah, 80, 20 rule. The point of the 80, 20 is to start evaluating the 80 that aren't really making the revenue and slowly, maybe it's possible to eventually expand that 20 where the winners, whether your definition of a winner gets better and the 20 remains the same. You know what I mean? No, exactly. Or the 20% is the, the products that you've got to their true profit potential and they're essentially on cruise control until they're no longer on cruise control. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. no product is going to have an infinite life cycle. Yeah. And I think it all comes right down to like life and business where it shouldn't be as difficult as I think a lot of people might make it out to be. I think there's a simplistic way that you can run your accounts that they are profitable. They have a good return of investment. You're happy. You have a good balance between life and work. While we are 
we obsess, we're obsessive on profits here. We're not paranoid. It's because we know where we can find profit. It's either you are preemptive, like you're working ahead. Yeah. And you know what you're working for versus being maybe retrospective and looking yeah. backwards. Proactive versus reactive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and I think that's one of you know, the differences between what we do versus some others is that we're, we're looking forward versus, you know, the rear view mirror. Yeah. So didn't one of our clients, uh, we were going through a, basically a, a trimming exercise, taking a look at their product catalog. And there was one product that we were, you know, on, on the face of it, it looked like it was on the chopping block. Yeah. yeah, 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 I remember that. We dived a little deeper and you know, what did you find? So that was a, kind of an interesting find actually, because one of the things that should always be dialed in is your cost. You need to know your, your, your raw and your landed costs. And that, what I mean landed is whatever expenses there are for that skew from wherever you're getting it from to the factory floor, wherever that might be. You need to know those numbers. Uh, and I know a lot of people use Excel for that. And it's always a continual work in progress, right? Like invoices coming in, you got to split the cost, you got to you know, assign costs. And a lot of people are using maybe averages to get a, an understanding of their cost. Because I mean, it is pretty difficult, you know, on, on invoices that come in and, and you have like maybe a five or $10,000 shipping invoice, you got to split that invoice and assign it to the SKU so that you get that actual per unit cost. I think the example you used when I asked you about the kind of downfall of averaging your shipping costs across that shipment in terms of everything in that, in that shipment is you may have a single box or pallet that has 50 units on it because of the size. And then you have another pallet that has 5,000 units on it because of the size, just allocating the cost across, you know, 5,500 units you're not allocating the right proportion. You have to proportionately allocate the costs based on the, the size and the cost and the nature of the skew. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's very easy if I'm say, I've got a box of say spatulas and in that box, there are a thousand units and I ship a thousand units from say from China and I send them straight to Amazon and I get a bill from say DHL and it's a thousand dollars, then I know it's a dollar a unit. That's pretty easy. I can understand that. But you know, like a lot of our clients, you know, multiple products, uh, multiple containers happening, whether there's 20 different SKUs sitting in a container, that's where, you know, the cubic meters, you know, CBM comes into play and how much each order of say a thousand or 2000 or 3000, units are sitting in that container, how much space are they taking up and working out by, by like a CBM comes in because then you're going to get a true accurate cost because I mean, there was one product. I mean, we always just kind of chuck on the container because we can fit a thousand boxes into a tiny box. I mean, the product itself is maybe the size of your palm and that is one product. So we can fit a thousand of these things and it costs is literally one cent a unit to ship it where you know, what was costing us almost 50 cents a unit to fly them in. They, if we just chuck them on the container because they take up zero room, it's a free product to ship. It's a center unit. That particular product has an insane profit margin and a return on investment. Well, yeah. And it probably 50 X 
<laughs> because if it was co costing you 50 cents, you reduced your cost on that by, you know, a factor of 50. Yeah. And, and so in that case, you know, I don't know if that product was profitable at all on a 50, 50 cent per unit shipping cost. I mean, it was, it was very profitable before and now it is even more profitable. Oh yeah. So now it's that kind of absolute cruise control winner that, you know, you can set it and forget it until a dial gets out of whack. Maybe refunds becomes an issue suddenly. So, okay, let's tackle that. How do you keep that winning streak for a product? Yeah. There's always variables in the winning product, but I think, you know, it's making sure your dials are, are dialed and especially on your product costs is, you know, coming back to that client. So this was the story. So it was falling out of his ranges. The product, it seemed like it wasn't kind of fitting into his winner formula and he was contemplating cutting it. So we had to go back and actually find out these costs to get the, the true accurate costs on this particular product. Because it was the product selling? Was I mean, the product was selling. It was, it was selling. It just, if you're going to invest, you know, $2,000 and the return is maybe less than 100% or whatever, the, you know, whatever your return investment number is, like, would it be better to take that money and invest it to an, into another product that might have a better return? Yeah, exactly. You know, if I'm going to invest 2000 and I'm going to get a 100% return, or I'm going to invest 2000 and get a 500% return, I mean, you know, obviously you're going to go with that one. Yeah, exactly. But again, if it, if it, even if the margin came up and because it was also a good product, it also had like, you know, relatively no customer services was an easy product to sell, but like the return wasn't quite there. So we did a deep dive into the cost and found out that it was a heavy product and that was going to his warehouse and from his warehouse, it was going to Amazon. And you know, Amazon has those partner carried fees that we can use their, you know, label service, UPS, they'll pick it up at your warehouse, they'll take it to the fulfillment center and they charge you internally. But it, it was turning out that per unit to ship it from his warehouse to there was a, almost a dollar a unit. Wow. So what we did was we find out his velocity on like what he was selling and it was a heavy product. So we were able to ship it from China straight to FBA, C. It was also longer on a container, so it was a little more expensive to get it to his warehouse, plus the trucking costs, and then the cost from his warehouse to Amazon. We were able to bypass all of that because then there were no trucking costs. We shaved off you know, $1.25, if I remember correctly. Wow. Now it's a winner. And you know, he, had he not done that in-depth analysis and actually got that true cost, he, would, he probably would have cut it. Yeah, and then missed out on a winner. And I think that happens a lot. I mean, more than likely probably did it before in the account we sold. Yeah. The point is, is like, you know, make sure you have 100% accurate numbers. You know, your numbers and you are unwavering with your numbers and you, then you make good decisions, right? Exactly. There's no emotion in it whatsoever. If a product needs to be cut, it needs to be cut, but check yourself before you wreck yourself. Also, you aren't spending so much time, you know, you, you make a decision, you move on because it's the right decision. You can assess every product through the same lens, but not every product needs to be treated the same to become a winner. Or, you know, it's the same lens, but you have to kind of consider a lot of different things per product. Yeah, and I think that's where the manual component comes in. I think everyone is so um, not consumed, but like, you know, there's lots of apps out there that, that like does this and does this. and they they think there's just there can be a lot of automation yeah to this but it's a business it's your money 
it's your profitability, there has to be a manual decision to it. You can't just like, oh, cool, I can plug it into this thing and, you know, I'm going to retrospectively look and I can make a choice that way. There, there's a big manual component to, to what we do here at Set of You yeah. to make and, sure and ensure you're profitable. Yeah, and I think it's manual, but it's, it's more thoughtful or mindful we can have all of these apps and these bots and everything run our lives for us and, and run our businesses for us. A machine is only as smart as the data that you put into it. If you're automating the wrong numbers, you're just being less profitable faster. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I think the takeaway for people here is like, especially you know, if we're just looking at the dial of costs, like what are you doing to efficiently know the costs per SKU. Product X, what's its cost? Raw cost plus landed cost. Because you also want to be tracking that raw cost because now and again, in fact, yeah, in fact you might get a little sneaky, pop, bump it up an extra 15 cents or something and you like don't have any way to remember what you paid before. You know, you want to have at least a data set of what you're putting in. Because that's, when, that's how you get your accurate margins. You know, what your return on investment is. Like if you buy a product for say 220 and you make 327, like you know that the, the ROI is 70%, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you need to know those numbers. No, exactly. And, and you're not in denial. You're like an ostrich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denial is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> You know, you actually have to come up with some really good analogies today, even this one and prior to we uh, hitting record. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's been a good day. I, so like a secret power. Yeah, I, it is, it is. I, I basically just create these alternative realities through analogies. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's actually almost like one I need to write down right there. <laughs> so, yeah, so guys, I hope you had a good, uh, a good listen and I hope you, but the takeaway here is track those numbers, uh, where, whatever you need to do, pull out yeah, a trusty Excel document, get in touch with us, just uh, keep profitable. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think the takeaway for me is there's profits hidden in your costs. I mean, I'm gonna write it, I'm gonna, I have to write that down. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I literally am writing that down. I must have had good cornflakes this morning. <laughs> Man, Brian, I mean, that was a gem. Man, it's like, you can call me the poet. Hmm. Maybe Sally calls you the poet. Or prophet poet. Prophet, prophet. Like, prophet. <laughs> yeah, the prophet. All right. All right, guys. Well, uh, uh, stay tuned for next Prophet Unfiltered. We'll chat to you soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. All right, cheers. <laughs>